Hello, and welcome to the Information Podcast. I'm your host, Brang Reynolds, and today, for our season one finale, we've got an extra special guest, John Hunt Fiorentino, founder of Gravity Blanket and Moonpod, and a guy who's quite difficult to pin down in just a 30-second intro. Stay tuned, because this is a great one. Well, you know, you're the sum of your five best friends. Exactly. So. Yes. Very, very, uh, it's a real thing. That's Absolutely. A real thing. Yeah. The energy that people give you is the energy that you give off. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then you, you know, you, you're like the only thing, if, if I can go through a week and the only thing I've thought about was making stuff or like putting something out into the world, that's a good week. Yeah. yeah. So you are a true maker. So you've had a couple successful Kickstarter campaigns. You've been through the crowdfunding ringer. Can you talk a little bit about how someone might make the decision to crowdfund versus a more traditional funding route? Crowdfunding is one of the like real blessings of the internet. It sort of is one of the first times where you're able to put an idea out there before you really have any costs and see if people want it. It is it's like really, really magic. And it sets you it sets you and the company up for this incredible edge that has never really been able to actually be accessed before. Um, You don't have to get you really don't have to ask anyone's permission except the market. Um, And if the market likes it, then perfect. You're off to the races and you've shown product market fit. And you have enough money to sort of get things going and get your bearings. So my answer is, if you can, then yes. Uh, one thing I love so much about crowdfunding, it's kind of like what you were saying here, where you can ultimately use it as a vehicle to test demand for a product before you invest all of the resources totally. uh, into you know creating something or building something. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that sort of shifts the risk profile uh, when starting a business? Yeah, I mean, I really don't think starting a business is, is risky, um, especially now. Like, uh, and it's the, the entrepreneurial story has been so glorified. Everyone's like, oh my God, like, it's such a risk. It's like, no, it's not. Like, you, you kind of, you have an idea, you put it out there. It costs literally nothing to put an idea out there now. You can get a really strong signal if it's going to work. And if it doesn't, you can go back to an employer and tell them about how you took a risk. And that will probably put you ahead of any interview line possible. So I really don't think it's it's a personal risk at all. A financial risk. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 literally it's a gift from the heavens. Just Mm -hmm. you can. You can get these things, you can get money for something and people are okay now if you create something compelling enough and being and, and letting people in on the journey, they're okay with waiting six months to mm. get it. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I, I did a pre, uh, my first real pre-order, I had this crazy idea, like my freshman year in college, I had this like wearable, I was making a wearable tech women's handbag. Mm. 
And that was a little before, I mean, I guess Kickstarter was around, but it wasn't really what it was today. And the idea of paying for something up front wasn't right. as mainstream. And yeah, so yeah. like my pre-order was just running around to running around like Soho and the garment district with it <laughs> and like seeing if people would stop me and ask me about it. And then on the spot, I would be like, Hey, do you want to buy one? I'll give you half off if you're in on this pre-order. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, if you listen to any entrepreneurial story that I admire, it's always the super, super scrappy, right. gritty guy. You know, like there's the FUBU guy that went around with one hat and like had celebrities pose with it to build demand. He's building pre-hype demand. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, that's a massive way to de-risk your project, your time and your money. Wow. And now that this is sort of a norm in consumer behavior. I think it's the best thing that's ever happened on it. Absolutely. Yeah, so we, we've actually had a couple of people who have done sort of more traditional funding routes uh, to, to put out hardware products. Uh -huh. And some of the things we've heard about, you know, the manufacturing issues, the keeping of inventory that, totally. you know, you then don't know if you're going to be able to sell or not, uh, <laughs> that there, there's really just a lot that goes into it. And so being able to de-risk this in that way mm -hmm. and sort of shift it, I, I, I don't want to say onto the consumers, but, but in a way shifting it onto them. Yeah. And I think that's better for everyone, right? Like, you know, I have so, I know so many people that will call me or, or I'll just hear about and they'll be like, Hey, and I'm like, great. What's your product? And it's like, no one, there's no way that anyone wants that. And I'm like, how many, how many pre-orders or like how many people have bought it? And they're like, none. I'm like, how many people have you showed it to? They're like, well, we haven't finished raising our round. I'm mm. like, well, come on. Like mm -hmm. Twitter exists, like Instagram exists, Instagram it out. See how many likes you get. Mm. Um, and that is better for the entrepreneur. It's better for the customer. The customer is not sort of, you know, it's harder to trick someone into buying something that is actually going to be useful in their life when you don't have a $4 million market budget. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's like right off the bat, do people want this or they don't? Yeah. And I think uh, like a, the internet sort of has a way of cutting through the noise and taking things to an extreme. And I think that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's, that's forcing product into an, a more interesting place than, mm this lazy middle that arises when you pour millions of dollars on a project and then find out that not a lot of people really want it. Did you create a gravity blanket before starting the Kickstarter page? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I made, I made a few. Um, yeah, I probably made like probably five or seven okay. samples. And then I, I got one that I really was happy with. And then, uh, you know, on with the Kickstarter. Nice. Got it. And you you invested in a really polished campaign for both of them. They were really awesome campaigns. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that does go a far way on Kickstarter. Can you talk about, you know, what went into that process? How much preparation did you do before you pushed the button to start the campaign? Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad. I thank you for, for saying that they were nice and, and good. But if you, if you watch them, they're very simple. Mm -hmm. It's me talking, explaining, and it's at both of them. We shot in one location um, and there were like two actors. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of it to me, once you get the product right, the story sort of explains itself. And then it's really just telling that on camera. 
Um, and I think it's, I think it's important, but I don't think, you know, I've had a few people email me and say, Hey, I have a $300,000 budget for a video. Can you <laughs> make mine? And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, wow. like, like why, why would you do that? I, I'm very curious. I'm going off script here. Uh, this is all scripted. Um, <laughs> how does a professional drummer get into, you know, tech purses, wearable tech purses, you know, uh, specialty blankets, a revolutionary chair? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just really, I like just really only kind of selfishly do what I really love doing. Um, and when I was growing up, that was playing drums mm -hmm. and then, mm -hmm. you know, like, I don't think to me, it's really all just like about making something like mm -hmm. drums was really fun, but like also putting together a band and naming the brand and picking out the logo for the brand and booking the band at events and signing other people to play with us. And what is that experience and all that stuff? And, you know, like, how do we talk about the band? What do we stand for? And I mean, if you take everything and replace the word brand with a product, it starts to seem mm -hmm. like I'm still doing the same thing. I love that you accidentally replaced the word band with brand a few times. Oh, did <laughs> you okay. did. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's all, to me, everything's the same. I it's mean, like it, if the way that you do one thing is kind of how you do everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty confident that like if you put Jeff Bezos and Kanye West in a room they're going to connect on a really similar level and they're going to really understand what it means to build something yeah. completely think, different. Do you I, think you have a place at that table? Uh, no. But, <laughs> uh, yet, every never. day I'm waking up scrapping my way uh -huh. to get one. I, I would love to see the West Bezos collab. Oh. Uh, I don't know what it would they're be. They're doing the same thing. But it would be a truly they're, tremendous, truly revolutionary thing. They're doing the same thing. Um, so when, when you're doing a crowdfunding campaign, there's all kinds of risks that come with it. Can you talk about managing expectations and making people prepared for the delays that they're going to experience and, you know, the actual risks that are there? Yeah, that was, I mean, like, yeah, being super transparent, that was one thing where we sort of messed up with gravity. I mean, because we had no idea that that was going to happen. Right. Uh, like I said, like the supply chain that I set up before we launched, I told the manufacturers like, hey, you think you could make a thousand, two thousand of these blankets? And they were like, yeah, no problem. When I called them back after the first day and I was like, hey, it kind of looks like we're going to be making like 10 or 15,000 of these. They were like, sorry, go find a new manufacturer. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, so that was probably the most stressful, you know, 40 days of my life, just like scrambling to find one. And then when we found the perfect partner again, um, you know, explaining to explaining to the, the people that sort of trusted me that like there are going to be delays. If I log on to Kickstarter, see this cool blanket, back it, and then 30 days later, I see that it raised $4.7 million. I'm And I see a kid up there uh, saying that this is his project, I I think I would be patient to be like, okay, maybe I can wait another right. month or two for him to get yeah. this in place. You know, I feel like 23,000 people, 
you know, even 1% of those is still going to be 200 folks calling you every day. Oh, yeah. Being really annoying. Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> they called my mom. Oh, oh no. Yeah. No way. That was the best, yeah. How did that happen? We had, like, there were, like, probably five or six people that just made it their job to, like, really make me feel bad. Oh. Uh, and, yeah, one, one of them called my mom. <laughs> what what did this person say to your mom? That's outrageous. Uh, just like, oh, you know, your son, like, he's late. And my mom was like, who is this? <laughs> what? Just like, okay, you know. Yeah. It does feel like we are in sort of a unique time in history. Small-scale manufacturing is more possible than ever. Mm-hmm. The tools necessary to put out very real products are in the hands of people who don't really need massive scale in order to start testing things. Totally, totally. And so it really feels like we're we're at this unique point where, you know, we could start to see just a dramatic explosion of innovation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets scary, though, because when things get that cheap, then everyone does it. And when everyone does it, then, again, that middle ground falls out and you're left with having to create something super, super unique. Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of this happened in music, right? Like I used to, from being a drummer, I sort of went to the business side and I started managing a bunch of artists. And my advice to all my artists was like, drop a song every week and then we'll see what gets the most plays and then we'll put some dollars or effort behind that one but like do a reggae song do a trap song mm. do a rock song like do a bunch of different shit because it it's it costs how much this podcast costs it's like you set up a mic you do the thing and you see if it hits but then you know now the biggest artists are in my opinion actually like the best artists like the only ones, in my opinion, that are really worth paying attention to are like the Kanye's and the Frank Ocean's and like the Weekends, And those guys are both really, really incredible composers. They have an immense talent mm-hmm. and they're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it starts to get scary when the barriers to creation fall to basically zero because then it's like there's only going to be a few winners yeah. Um, to that really, really stand out. Um, and the way that you stand out becomes harder. So it's definitely easier than ever before to launch a website, to make a product, to get demand for that product. Um, but I think it's never been harder to build a really, you know, sustaining company. Mm. Um, and maybe that means that like, you know, there's not, maybe everything turns into a project. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it is all just like mixtapes and albums and it's, you know, like all of these little products that I'm doing are just like these singles and I haven't really made an album yet. Sure. Um, But, you know, it's I think, you know, you see it with what happens when companies really find their footing. Like the second that you have a real business like Amazon will come eat you. I really like that that uh, analogy of product to songs Mm -hmm. uh i was actually in our conversation with joyride right uh we talked about how who's that the joyride's an app that uh turns your uber ride kind of into a cash cab kind of situation oh cool um very cool and there were many moments in that interview where i felt like 
they were rock stars yeah. talking about an album. Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like the uh, you know my my team, I keep the teams around these products very small. It feels like I'm you know making another band. Every product is like a small team. I mean. Kylie Jenner has a billion dollar company and she has seven employees. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, things are shrinking, but if you get, if you, if you get the strategy right around this shifting landscape, you get some pretty awesome outcomes. Absolutely. Totally. Have people reached out to you looking to invest? Oh yeah. 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 And what do you say to them? I'm not raising money. I won't raise money. Well, it takes a lot of, uh, Courage to be able to turn down the money. Yeah. Uh, when, because, yeah. you know, every time somebody gets coverage, we talk to a lot of people who come through Product Hunt. Uh -huh. And, you know, I think you've been featured on Product Hunt a couple of oh, times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every time you're featured on Product Hunt, there's a deluge of investors who want oh, yeah, on board. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of people have trouble sort of turning down that money yeah. if it's not the right money. Yeah. It was not the, uh, I, so in between my music management days, and blanket i started a company where i was putting tablets and ubers okay and advertising on the tablets so basically taxi tv for ubers sure um and i you know i did a little test uh right after right after i got my little product market fit thing i got like couple thousand Uber drivers signed up. I did a test in New York. I met with an investor and he immediately wrote me a check for 50 grand. Wow. And I had no idea what that meant. And I called, I left the meeting and I was like, hey, this like really famous investor just gave me 50 grand. What does this mean? And like one of my, the, my advisors was like, you like, okay, go raise a seed round. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And I started raising money. And I mean, it's, I mean, it was a business. I don't know if it was a venture business, but like it was a business and I started raising money. I like, I moved out to LA. I did a, a, an accelerator and I raised about, you know, I had probably about nine or 800, 800 grand committed of a million. Wow. And then like right when we were closing on the million, I kind of was like, this is not gonna work and i gave it all back wow, wow. yeah so, yeah creative so you're you're thinking that you're gonna keep crowdfunding for mo your next product uh i don't know it depends depends on the product um you know what's nice about having a few successes now is that i have i have enough money to sort of uh see these things through a little bit more okay on my own um where i don't you know it's not a huge risk i i i don't think i'll ever do i'm developing one product right now that i don't know if i'm going to do it on a kickstarter or a crowdfunding but like i'm doing the same thing i'm talking to probably 30 people a day telling them about it and saying like okay do you want to buy one like do you want to buy one right now you have got such a fascinating lifestyle creating all these different all these different products. It seems like you've got like a lot of irons in the fire. Oh yeah. Um, very exciting. Can you talk just about like what what a day in that life looks like? Like at any given time, how many things are you working on? Yeah, so I'm trying to really, really stay disciplined and pick uh, and be a lot more deliberate about what I'm picking and why I'm picking them and where those things can go. Um, but I try not to be too deliberate about that. You know, like I, I think like, you know, directionally, it's really easy to understand where the world is going, but 
tactically, you can't have a five-year plan. Like, I basically stopped taking meetings. Um, well, I basically like, I really don't. I I kind of just sit in my apartment and will work on crafting the products that I'm thinking about. All uh, if I'm taking a meeting, it's talking to customers essentially. Um, and doing customer research and that type of stuff. Yeah. All how that how stuff. much time a day do you spend working, quote unquote? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm way. I'm not like in the hustle camp where right. it's like yeah, like I twenty four seven like crush. Right. Uh, I'm more in the like. I'm always thinking about it. I like mm-hmm. can't not think about what. I want to make it's really the only thing that kind of interests me at this point. Mm-hmm. So you know, but like I mean, last night, last night I unfortunately had I've I've stopped drinking coffee for a while, and last night yesterday I had a coffee around like four. Oh wow! And at three a.m. I was like in this weird fever dream <laughs> about one of my ideas, and I woke up and like worked for like three hours and made some unbelievable progress on wow. this idea that I've been working on. And then I slept till 11. So like you said, unfortunately, but well, fortunately, yeah. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I mean, yeah. Waking up at 3am in a weird caffeine sweat. Is it, <laughs> is it exactly perfect? But it led me to a new little idea that I hadn't seen before. And so like, you know, that kind of sounds a little manic and crazy, but that's way more valuable than a 24-hour work right. day. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. So. No, I like the elimination of meetings, the oh, elimination the of distractions. It's uh, the best. Pruning of your people around you. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. You're, you're kind of streamlining yourself for product success. Yeah, and that's – I mean, that's – I mean, I've always trusted myself, or I don't think I ever would have tried any of this, but, like, it is definitely nice knowing, really knowing that, like, you know, if I go five or six years without another thing that works, Mm -hmm. like, I really know and believe that I'll, on that six year, like, I'll get something. Um, And that's, that's, that's a nice, that's probably the most valuable thing that I've gotten from all this. I mean, you really seem to be truly embodying the the do what you love lifestyles. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the yeah. I mean, if I'd liked anything else, I would be doing it. I don't. <laughs> like, it's the, awesome. Maybe that changes. Maybe I maybe I wake up and want to do something else. I'm 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 getting really obsessed with like animation right now. Okay. And, like, characters and shit. And so, like, that's, you know, this past year with, when I made Moon Pod, literally all I did all year at night was make samples of beanbags, sit on the beanbags, and watch animated films. <laughs> wow. And so, like, that was my user testing. And now I'm just, like, down this Disney rat hole. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Okay, well, uh, let's let's talk specifically about Gravity Blanket. A year ago, you launched this. 
you raised 4.7 million from 23,000 pledges uh-huh. and it is essentially it's a weighted blanket that you know has the purpose of treating anxiety yeah totally um i was making a pillow <laughs> as one does as one does uh, <laughs> i was making a pillow and you know, part of my process with making something is talking to everyone that I can. And one of the people that I talked to about the pillow was this sleep scientist. And she very passively giggled about, oh, yeah, sleeping with 10% of your body weight is, is a really not is a really great natural anxiety reliever. And I was like, what? And I like went home to try to find it. And like there really wasn't anything out there. The thing, the only thing that I could find were these children, these like autistic children's blankets. Uh, so I stitched one together. Um, yeah, I like made, took, took a bunch of, took a bunch of, bought, um, I bought pellets online. These like weighted bean things that it wasn't what I ended up using, but kind of just bought a bunch of shit online, uh, made a tiny little one. Um, and put it on my chest and I literally passed out in like 10 minutes. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, this thing is going to be a monster. I was like, people need to know about this. This is incredible. Was there a point where you saw that it was clearly going to take off and be bigger than you expected? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So, um, we sort of did an initial test uh of a very soft launch with a landing page not on kickstarter and we thought something was like broken because we were people like we really didn't even post about it but people were sharing it people were signing up people were people were like emailing us being like hey where is this because it was a landing page right it was like yeah. hey just check this out and we had people like really proactively being like wow hey 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 like where can i get this why isn't your site like ready to order. Um, and so that was probably about like a month before launch. Um, and when I saw those, when I saw that response, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be, I still, I mean, you know, I had no idea it was going to do what it did, Yeah. but I was like, you know, it was, uh, we got something. Here. Yeah. I was like, okay, this will be, this will be worth my time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we had already talked about it a little bit, hitting that scale, that scale that you kind of just didn't even anticipate while a huge blessing came with it a whole bunch of challenges totally. you know people were more aware of it i heard something about you had to retract the anxiety statement oh yeah uh, you know that was kind of a some that kind, was of kind of not regulation real. issue that was like that was like someone like set us up it was pretty nuts how's that um so yeah so kickstarter has this whole process of uh you know, they they go through all your stuff and approve to make sure that it's within their terms and services. So we got approved. Um, and, you know, about a week into the campaign, uh, they called us and said, hey, someone reported that uh, you use the word treat. And so they said, could you please change it to help? And we we're like, OK, sure. Like we didn't even think about it. Um, and Kickstarter, yeah, just very nonchalantly asked us to change it from treat to help. And we we're like, all right, fine. Like whatever to us, it means the same thing. Yeah. And I guess the wo- the woman who reported it to Kickstarter was a reporter uh, like wow. waiting for us to change it. And then we changed it. She screen grabbed both of them. And then the next thing you know, there were like three press articles about how we retracted claims. And it was uh, just like, we, what? It was like. Uh, 
And it was also like, you know, like, I don't know, go do the research before you try to take us down on a one word. Right. Go talk to physical therapists. Go talk to doctors. And mm. have has any one of them said that this isn't going to at least help someone with dealing with these issues? I right. couldn't find mm-hmm. one person saying, you know what, weighted blankets are a sham. How soon into that first Kickstarter did you start working on the Moon Pod? Yeah, I don't know what to call, again, like what is working. I don't know. Uh, I I would say, I would say that, I mean, again, like I was working on a pillow probably three years ago. And ever since I started working on the pillow, I was working on the six other products I was going to do after the pillow. Mm. And so this thing has been, these products have been in my head for years, you know, like the weighted blanket. I had that idea and I had that insight almost a year before I launched it. Wow. Um, and you know, I'll probably still do, I'll probably still do a pillow at some point. Right. Uh, and so (laughs) like, like, the 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 moon pod was interesting because that was sort of like this weird serendipitous like strike of inspiration i hadn't gone on vacation for probably i don't know like literally six years okay um and after gravity uh after that 40 days of like complete hell of trying to get this thing ready um i i went over to the manufacturer overseas so I spent like 10 days alone in Japan, just like roaming around, clearing my head, taking a deep breath. And during that trip, I I sort of saw a lot of beanbags or beanbag S type of furniture. And then I saw this guy in the middle of this Zen garden, like lying down on this body rock. And yeah. he was like meditating and chilling out. And those sort of two things was like oh my god like what if i remade a beanbag oh so explain to me what is moon pod how's it different from a regular beanbag chair Mm -hmm. yeah so moon pod is basically the way i describe it the most comfortable thing you'll ever sit in it is amazing um and how it's different is that you know most beanbags one the shape is this like circle or you have like a love sack that's like this gigantic thing that's super lumpy and incredibly hard to move for a thousand dollars or you have these like kid products for like 40 bucks that you sit in it and your back gets thrown out and you're like sticking to the vinyl plastic um so moon pod is sort of this in between of this like relaxing chair uh and you know you can lie in it and take a nap you can sit in it and it sits up and sort of holds you and cups you like a chair. Um, or you can sort of lean back in it and recline and watch a movie. Damn. Yeah. And wow. so what, what was the tech behind it? How did you make that happen? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just a bunch of samples. Just like trying out a bunch of different materials, trying out a bunch of different shape factors, talking to a bunch of designers, industrial designers, furniture designers. And really just like, yeah, getting a feel for what might, what I could add to this form factor that was missing. And a lot of that was this feeling of like support, but also weightlessness. Got it. Got it. Um, 
which I think Moonpod like really delivers on. Totally. Uh, what happens now? Selling beanbags, selling blankets, and coming up with new things. The, the white whale of the pillow. The white whale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have I have no idea. Um, I just, you know, I have a few ideas that sort of fall outside of relaxation that I'm really excited about. Um, and then a few that fall within that sleep and relaxation category that would be a pretty pretty good cool follow-up to uh, Moon Pod and Gravity Blanket. But, you know, you know, I'm not set on anything and can't really give too much away. Mm. Uh, Understood. But, yeah, but, you know, I mean, yeah. I think I'm down to uh, less than 24 hours. My products are on Alibaba with our same creative. So trying to keep things a little <laughs> wow. bit more secret. Wow, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this time, I mean, they did it with Gravity Blanket um, probably about a weekend. And then Moon Pod, they did it literally within 24 hours. And I sent this, like scathing letter to them and was like you know they didn't even they used our pictures our video and my face i was like <laughs> okay this is a little too far um, yeah so wow. trying to keep trying to trying to uh keep things a little more secretive um this was awesome yeah thank, thank oh, you guys. so much for coming I, I say this every single time but this time i truly mean it it's gonna be really hard to cut this down to a half hour. There was a lot there. <laughs> yeah, I sh- I, again, yeah, I, I, I hadn't drank coffee for the past like six months, but this week I dove in. You guys are oh, the we're victims. benefactors. Excellent, <laughs> no, excellent. That. We love that. That's all for season one of the Information Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, please like and subscribe. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, so stay tuned.